Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. another episode of Shocking, Lurid, Tawdry, A History of American Scandal. I'm your co-host, Casey Howe. And I'm your co-host, Mark Pikert. And we're delighted to be telling you stories about scandals you never knew that you needed. Ah, So true. Well put. Well put. Mm -hmm. We'll get an an official tagline at some point. Or maybe we'll never have an official tagline. I well, I'm I'm so excited that that you uh that uh you are telling a story today and um that it's that it's your week to do so I'm gonna kick back and relax. And um yes, any any updates or anything we should tell anybody about? Continue to um thanks for the reviews and uh following us and such on any or no uh, social the, media I'm- channels. And the bundle they mean following me on social yeah, media you yeah mm-hmm. i'm there i just it's not as fun <laughs> you lurk i do well put mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i do you're an old you're like the you're the lurker that the lead girl thinks is the murderer but it turns <laughs> out that you are the murderer's mother and you're just like watching over her because you know that he's coming after her and then you get murdered Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. I don't think I make it out alive for sure, but I make it to the end. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of an, oh, yeah. an, like you're... Like an omnipresent sort of figure. I'm always there, but you never really mm-hmm. know for sure because I never actually contribute. I just pop in occasionally to oversee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which what I find most hilarious about this project that we have embarked upon is you are so organized with your scandals and your notes and you always have one ready to go and I do this professionally like I write (laughs) I research professionally and literally every single time it comes around to recording you're like all right we'll record in like two hours and I go oh shit I forgot let me scramble (laughs) through my archives to see what I have in the back because like Joan Crawford had yeah. Like Joan Crawford, like Joan Rivers had filing cabinets of her jokes. I have filing cabinets of scandals. Yes, yes. But that's the thing. And I think it's because I find it so novel. I'm like, ooh, I need to research and write something. And then I'm actually going to record it. And maybe somebody listens to it. It's not just an email to my coworkers that no one's going to read. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess I, so I find it, I think it's because I find it more novel. Uh, yes, and I, I believe that. And I just need to, I've just been bad about You've been great. scheduling don't, my time out. Don't, don't, I don't, I don't want to hear any of it. But that. also, no, let's, let's true. be clear. I am our sole marketing team. That's also, that's very true. I did and have I'm someone uploading ask me, and editing all of the episodes. Yes. 
And I said, um, someone asked me the other day, they were like, oh, so how are you um, marketing the podcast? And I was like, I don't know. I think Mark's going to post some stuff. I, I don't, I'm, yeah. we're just going to put it out there and let, and let Jesus take the wheel. I mean, you know what? Can't. That's all we have. That's all we can do. Uh, that's all we can do. Okay. Uh, but okay. I am excited because uh, this today's abrupt decision to record, <laughs> i.e. planned days in advance, uh, <laughs> left me scrambling. And so I went through, I do have archives. Uh, and for, it is when you do uh, your year. best work, you know, you well, just gotta like do to it. You so. gotta buckle down and do it. <laughs> uh, for a year or two ago, almost a decade in the past, mm -hmm. I ran a blog called Karen Carpenter Died for Your Sins. Yes, I do and, recall. Uh, yeah, I wrote about a lot of things, including scandals that I did mm -hmm. deep dive research into. So Fun. today, I would like to tell you about Eunice Pringle and Alexander Pantages. Ooh, okay. Or Pantages. Okay. Sure. Either one. Uh, so we'll in 1933. In nineteen, well, hold on. He has a little nickname okay. that we're going to call him. Ooh, fun! Love it. Love a nickname. Okay. In, in nineteen thirty-three, Eunice Pringle is dying of cyanide poisoning, <gasps> and she gives a deathbed confession that Joseph Kennedy paid her ten thousand dollars to accuse Alexander King Greek Pantages of rape. And wow. the whole thing had been a plot to destroy the movie palace mogul because he wouldn't sell his movie palaces to old Joe Kennedy. Oh my gosh. Oh, However, I love this so much. Okay. That is not true. That is just <laughs> shocking. That is just an insane rumor that people spread saying that Eunice Pringle died in 1933. She didn't. She lived into the 90s. She died what? in her 80s. What? And there is apparently absolutely no proof that Joe Kennedy paid her off to take down Alexander Pantages. Uh, he was convicted of raping her. Then the conviction was overturned. And it is a big, messy story. But... That is how much people don't believe women. <laughs> they made up a deathbed confession in the 30s and said that that is what happened. At the time? Like, that's, like, in the 30s, they said she died. That's yeah, crazy. And it got published every, like, it's what? all over the that place. Is by the way, cyanide. Oh, and I have some questions there. Number one, Kennedy. it smells like almond. Everyone, there's your PSA. Be careful. Cyanide apparently smells like almonds, so watch out for that. Okay, okay. Um, go ahead. Sorry. What did so Kennedy like? What how how did Kennedy let that happen to? By the way. I don't know. Okay. Well, he had other, I mean, he had other fish to fry because That's the 30s, true. the depression, Gloria Swanson. The mob. 
lots to take care of you know so much happening uh so so here's the story of alexander pantages okay he bummed, he bummed around for a while. He went to Panama and was helping the French dig a canal. He got malaria and they said, you need to go to a cold climate. So he went to Alaska <laughs> where he worked as a waiter Extreme. slash bus boy for, well, everything is. <laughs> it was a different time. Oh, so true. But he ended up working for Klondike Kate, the notorious brothel madam and entrepreneur in the Klondike that uh, Mae West made a movie about called Klondike Annie. Okay. Loosely based upon Klondike Kate. Uh, so alleged, like, here's the thing about this story. Everyone has an ax to grind based on who they're trying to take down. So either they are trying to take down Eunice Pringle or they are trying to take down Joe Kennedy and are dragging her in or they're trying to take down Alexander Pantages. So the people who wanted, so who knows how to parse what is fact and what is fiction. Uh, so I'm just going to like shout out some rumors throughout this story and yeah, I'll tell okay. you the things that I know for sure. Okay. So one of the rumors is he stole money from Klondike Kate, uh, left Alaska and started his first movie theater. So he has a, he eventually has a chain of movie palaces and vaudeville theaters. Okay. Got it. Right. So it's the Pantages circuit. The home oh, base is right. in Winnipeg. So if a show goes on tour on the Pan on the Pantages circuit, it starts off at Winnipeg and then it goes to a series of other theaters owned by Alexander Pantages and his cohort. Uh, eventually in the 20s, he teams up with uh, Players Lasky. I he teams up with a major motion picture distribution company mm -hmm. to book movies into his movie theaters including his showpiece on Hill Street and 7th Street in downtown LA. Okay. Now, one of the things that really set him apart, in addition to him being Greek, when so many of these uh, movie moguls were Jewish, uh, and he referred to himself as King Greek. Why not? should tell you what you need to know about Alexander <laughs> Pantages. Uh, but one of the things that set him apart from all of these vaudeville theater company owners he did not rely on other people to book the talent. He would fly out and watch people audition and book them himself. Oh, interesting. So he was sort of acting as a producer. Yeah, that kind of, not necessarily, but yeah. Yeah, but he is much more hands-on. And mm -hmm. ultimately this is going to come to bite him and Eunice Pringle in the ass. Got it. Okay. So Eunice Pringle is in her, is 17 years old. Uh, she's a dancer. She's grown up in uh, Orange County, California, and she has teamed up with this playwright and he has sold her the script that she would like to perform on the Pantages circuit. So she's going around to different producers trying to get, tr trying to drum up interest in booking her and this. And she talks to Alexander Pantages a couple of times, uh, ultimately in 1929, uh, ending with her rushing out of what has variously been described as a side office and a broom closet. Okay. Uh, but rushing out, uh, looking disarrayed and accusing him of raping her. 
Got it. Okay, so that's the incident in question. So okay. that is the incident in question. Okay. So she claims that he, that this 54 year old man uh, told her that he hated his wife, uh, that she was so beautiful. And then she didn't put out and he attacked her. Got it. Okay. Uh, he claims that when he told her, yeah, skit's not good enough, honey. She screamed, attacked him, tore his jacket, and then ran out and accused him of rape so that she could file a civil suit and get money. Got it. Okay. Now, sure. one of the complicating factors for a lot of people at the time was she did file a civil suit for a million dollars. Okay. That's in addition to the dumb. lawsuit. In addition to, like, the... the Legal uh, criminal charges. The, yes. Sure. Yes, the criminal charges. So he goes on trial, and guess who his attorney is? Is it our favorite Hollywood attorney? It is Jerry Geisler making a name for himself with this, his first major case. Ah! Oh my gosh, Jerry. I love it. So initially the trial is uh, more, is equally men and women. Okay. The jury is equally men and women. And then a man bows out and says he's not comfortable listening to the story or whatever. Uh, he couldn't handle the evidence. And so he was replaced by a female, female alternate. Okay. So that makes it seven to five. Got it. Okay. So Eunice Pringle is kind of your dream witness in a case like this. She's 17. She always dressed modestly. She doesn't drink or smoke. Uh, she's very much a quintessential good girl. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of unflappable. Like Jerry Geisler cannot break her down. So guess what? He's found guilty. Alexander Pantages is found guilty. Wow. And okay. the jury says, the jury says we find him guilty. Uh, we plead for leniency. Okay. Okay. And the judge says, you know what? You're going to San Quentin. <gasps> Ooh. All right. Six, six months to 50 years. Uh, it's up to the, the prison board to decide. What? That is a wide so, range. Like that. Yeah. That's, that's not a sentence. That's a jail for you. We'll see when you get out. Also, I need to say, I need to add that the entire trial is going, was so, going so badly for him to begin with that he actually took the stand in his own defense. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was not, it wasn't smooth sailing. Like he... It was yeah. not smooth sailing. Also, this trial was happening the last week of October, 1929. Uh, any guesses as to what happened during the trial of this very wealthy man? Gosh, it sounds familiar. Um, I feel like there was a day, is October? Yeah, mm -hmm. like, yeah, um, it was like not 20, Halloween. It's like the 20, it was like the late, late in the month, like 20. Uh, yeah, the star, stock market crash. Whoops. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, people that, are distracted. On, well, no, Octo uh, it was he October 28th or something. He's found guilty on October 27th. The stock market <gasps> crashes on October 29th. Oh, it is not a good week for Alex. Not So it is week. very much not a good week. Uh, also <gasps> against Alex is William Randolph Hearst. 
Uh-oh. So this also, in a very roundabout way, that is extremely obvious in retrospect, hurts Eunice Pringle because when people look at this chapter in Los Angeles history, which many, many people have done, including myself, uh, the tone of the coverage in Hearst papers against Pantages is so egregious that it makes you oscillate in the other direction in his favor. Oh, so it's almost like, well, he can't be that bad. Because it's just constantly making fun of his illiteracy uh, oh, his no. looks, the fact that he was a Greek. Sure. Yeah, Hearst did not like anyone that was foreign. That was his thing. No, no, no he did not. He was not a fan. Except for, I think he liked the Nazis. Uh, was that ooh, him? I don't think that he did. Remember. No, no. That's Lindbergh. That's Lindbergh. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking of something Lindbergh, else. definitely. Okay. <laughs> so, Jerry Geisler is not thrilled with this. Okay. That's uh, not helping this though, case any. Even though in June 1930, Pantages is freed on bail while his appeal progresses. Okay. Uh, in early 1931, another suit comes against him and two San Diego men in the Love Mart incident, where two girls were uh, alleged that they were taken to a hotel in San Diego and then a mansion uh, in Mexico and were attacked and that ended in a mistrial okay so then in so the trial's in 29 he is out on bail june 1930 in november 1931 the retrial finally ends okay because jerry geisler got the conviction overturned and had a retrial because he claimed it wasn't fair he couldn't talk about Eunice Pringle's romantic past. She didn't have one. She was squeaky clean. So. Oh, no. And here's also, another, here's also, another longstanding well, wait, rumor. I take that back entirely because I'm sorry. Her romantic, romantic past has nothing to do with someone raping her. Also Number one. That. So. But this comes one up of the all complicating... the time, obviously, still. Yeah. One of the complicating aspects of the case was the playwright that she was working with where uh, Jerry Geisler alleged in his opening statement that she went with him to a bunch of different producers and then he dropped her off at Pantage's office and then went to their attorney's office to wait for her panicky, I was just raped phone call. Oh, like, so he was and, in on it, supposedly. Yeah. So okay. it was always a shakedown and he was in on it or he put her up to it or they were romantically involved and they wanted the money. There were, sure. there was enough there that the jurors felt confident in saying reasonable doubt. Got it. Okay. So he just, he inserted because reasonable doubt. They acquitted Pantages in November, 1931. Uh, interestingly, the jury was eight men and four women this time. <sighs> okay. But even that, even that, the first three or four ballots were 10 to two in favor of acquittal. Oh, okay. So it was, so they were, it wasn't so close. It wasn't so close. Okay. No, no. So this really, all. this defense really worked. This, that came through. They, they, they bought that. 
that she might might have been a setup. Uh, also, she might have just wanted the money. They all thought that she was just too young and innocent and that someone had coerced her into doing this, whether that was Joseph Kennedy or this playwright. They were not buying that the rape happened the way that she claims that it did. Okay. So... I'm He's assuming that his acquittal then, now means that she doesn't have to get paid too, right? Like the civil trial is so annulled, like annulled. she That's not a yes, word, and the but. civil the civil suit also came up because it was filed after the conviction. So okay. they really didn't understand why she was going after a million dollars after he okay. was convicted. Uh, and which is entirely basically the jury and completely um fine so yeah you probably should okay so they settled he settled he settled that out of court with her and that was like something sad like twenty thousand dollars sure yeah like not even close got it like just take some money and make this go away right right just take this and be quiet uh so after he is acquitted they go to Eunice Pringle and ask for comment. And she says, it seems that anyone who puts up a fight for justice is doomed for failure. This verdict shows clearly the value that at least 12 persons in the state of California put upon a girl's honor. Now that it is over, I will be able to return once more to the life of an ordinary American girl. And that makes me very happy. You know, they say in God we trust, but it is written on a dollar. (laughs) I love it. That's a good one. Isn't that so good? Yeah. Uh, and she's like 19 at this point. Yeah, that right? That line is perfection. Yeah. Uh, so she, Alexander Pantages is, is ultimately ruined in the crash and with the trial. Uh, he has to sell off his properties. Uh, nobody wants to work with him. He's basically untouchable. He dies of heart failure five years later in 1936. Okay. Now, uh, Eunice Pringle, of course, lives. Uh, She is eventually married twice. She lives mostly in California. Uh, She goes by the name Tori a little bit just to avoid recognition. Uh, She has a daughter. She never tells her daughter about what happened to her. Oh, my gosh ever when her daughter mentioned that she wants to go into show business basically Eunice left the room and it was up to uh, her father to tell her what happened to Eunice oh my gosh so she made her husband tell her yeah which all right you know but she lived in horror of being recognized and she actually when she thought that someone had recognized her she made her husband buy a new house so she's just like, we got to move. Sorry. The neighbors spotted yeah. me. <laughs> so meanwhile. I love it. So that is the story of Alexander Pantages and Eunice Pringle. Okay. Meanwhile, just months before the first trial. And in the same courtroom. His wife, Lois Pantages, was found guilty of murder. What? After driving drunk the wrong way down Sunset Boulevard in her coupe 
and killing a Japanese gardener. Oh my gosh. So she collapsed outside the courtroom after the verdict was read. The jury deliberated for 27 hours. She received 10 years probation and damages of almost $79,000 to, uh, to Jiro Rokumoto's family. Uh, 10 and then years a year probation later, for murder? And then a don't year you, later, don't her you go to jail for that? Uh, well, her husband, well, no, no one did. Uh, A year later, her conviction was abruptly overturned in what uh, District Attorney Burren Fitz called a travesty. She died in 1941 of a heart attack while swimming. Oh my gosh. That's bizarre. Right, like... That's bizarre. she was convicted in the same courtroom? Yeah. Yeah. And then also it was overturned... And I don't know how you overturn that. It's like, oh, it was just an accident. She was only really drunk. Like, it can happen to anyone. I was like, no, that's the whole point. No. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I know. So (sighs) she hired, I mean, she was so rich. She hired so many defense attorneys and they delayed everything and claimed that he had made a turn without signaling and then all, all these people like testified that she was obviously drunk. And then her 20 year old daughter had to like take the stand. Oh my gosh. But she wasn't even a witness at the accident. She showed up and she was like, yes, I saw my mother at the hospital afterwards and I could tell she had not been intoxicated. Okay. Like, what? What? I don't think that's how that works. Okay. Yeah. So then it was, people wanted to acquit. People wanted to uh, go for second degree murder or manslaughter. There was a massive jury fight about it. And then they finally said guilty on manslaughter. And then Lois fainted. Okay. And basically her health was so bad that she got 10 years probation. Okay. 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 Got it. Okay. So, so then, and then she dies later of heart failure or heart attack while, did you say while swimming? While swimming. Uh, but okay. let's be clear. The sentencing also included the judge uh, saying that most evidence did not sh- show she was intoxicated and that she had led a Christian life and worked in welfare causes uh, before. Okay. Okay. Sure. She's so uh, sorry. The circumstances so showed crazy. she's entitled to probation. While the fact that she has wealth and position should not discriminate against her. <laughs> so because she's <gasps> oh rich gosh. and because she's rich in, in society, we can't we can't treat her worse because of that we have to be kind okay okay sure oh my gosh oh okay got it that is that's a very strange coincidence like that's very odd yeah they're both having a tough time 
It was a tough time for them, what, for that family. I mean, what were they What were they up to in, in that year? My God. Oh, my gosh. That was a rocky one for them. That was a rocky one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Both made it out isn't okay. That, I mean, so crazy that people are so convinced that Eunice Pringle made this story up. And there were witnesses yeah. who saw her trying to get out of whatever that room was and he was on his hands and knees on the ground like grabbing her limb trying to pull her back in oh my gosh that's crazy that's crazy one of the great uh, resources that i've discovered is this amazing blog called homesteadmuseum.blog that is very much about la history and they do they've done several big posts about eunice and the pantages both lois and alexander and they had an event, a week-long event, where they actually had Eunice's daughter come and speak about her mother. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. But that's just, you, to your earlier point about, like, that's how much people don't believe women, is they're just like, yeah, she couldn't, she definitely wasn't raped. And, oh, by the way, she must have ma- made it up. And, oh, by the way joseph mccarthy like it's just so outlandish that they're like "Mm, no that's not what happened we can do better like well i mean it's like uh, the search for weapons of mass destruction well if you can't find the trucks that proves that they're so good at hiding the trucks that we need to be really worried and go to war no they just don't exist they don't it's just not there yeah (laughs) oh my god (laughs) what was oh so yeah, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. And that is just a wild story too, that she was, um, you know, that that, like the, the trial and then the overturning and the timing of it. And probably by 1930 or 1931, they were just like, I and mean, whatever, if this guy's going to get out of it, like, just fine. We're all just so fucked that like, we can't pay to keep him in prison anyway. Yeah. So let him loose. <laughs> But that's bizarre. Well, the Joseph I think McCarthy, in the second trial, Joseph, one of sorry, the reasons... Not, I keep saying Joseph McCarthy. I mean Joseph Kennedy, Joe Kennedy. But anyway, go ahead. I think one of the things that Jerry Geisler did during the second trial was to troop everyone to the closet, the office, whatever, antechamber, to prove how teeny tiny it was. And that, uh, one, he couldn't have tried. He couldn't have raped her in there. It was too tight. Oh, and two, oh one no. of his big things was if she's she's a professional 17 year old dancer and here's a 54 year old man who's like five foot six and in poor health she could have fought him off if she wanted to <gasps> oh my god yeah jerry geisler maybe we'll do a whole episode about jerry geisler oh that could be fun that could be fun but that would require me to remember that we have this podcast in advance and actually plan for it so you know I don't see i'm gonna that take that anytime on soon I'm going to take that on and send just a few extra reminders throughout the week. Oh, great. Just to sort of, you, you know, know what? a little poke. Yeah, just periodically. Oh. Where are we with the Jerry Geisler episode? <laughs> and I'm sure that all of our fans are going to tweet at us. That's to true. Us I'm well. sure they'll remind us. The deluge. Send us your requests. Send us your oh, requests. Oh, please do. Uh, send them to me. I'll read them aloud to Casey. That'll be our opening from now on for our podcast. That's how I'll, I'll learn about all your requests. Mark will just read them aloud. Uh, I'll read all the, the tweets. Introductions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and never forget, they say in God we trust. 
but it's printed on a dollar bill.